Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. Get paid for your pad. 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 This episode is brought to you by Hostfully, a company that helps you make beautiful guidebooks for your listing. Make your own at hostfully.com slash pad. And as a special for Get Paid for Your Pad listeners, you'll get a free guidebook consultation after you make your guidebook. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Get Paid for Your Pad. I am here in Las Vegas and I'm actually recording this live with a fairly new Airbnb host who's gone through the whole process of getting the legal permits for Airbnb hosting in Las Vegas. And it was a pretty complicated process. So I'm really excited to hear what it entailed. So Dylan, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you very much. So Dylan, uh, let's start with like, how did you get into the Airbnb hosting thing? Well, I was a little bit reluctant to do it just because I wasn't sure if like how long of a proliferation period there was going to be before legislation came in. And I kind of wanted to start because I knew that that was going to happen. And I wanted to kind of start to see when that started to happen and see if I was willing to jump into the game at around that point, seeing what it was going to look like. So they just started talking about it and they just changed all the laws here. And so I, I feel like I got in the right time. And I primarily, I was going to buy another multifamily house. I own apartment buildings. And Venza, my wife and I, we wanted to buy this house. Like we were trying to find multifamily again. And we just kind of found a house that we fell in love with. And it was a lot bigger than we needed. And so I was trying to think about like, how would I make income from it? And we can make roughly three to five times more off of the Airbnb than we can off of getting a renter. And I don't want renters to be in my space all the time on the other side of the house. So this is just perfect. Why do you want to have renters? I have currently a lot of renters in my apartment buildings. Long term, there's going to be deferred maintenance issues that come up. They're going to start to slowly destroy the house. And as that happens, I'm going to be the one that's liable to pay for it. But by being able to charge cleaning fees and being able to charge way higher nightly costs, I can make money on it instead of just trying to break even with rentals. So you started with Airbnb hosting and then at some point you got in trouble with the city. Can you explain a little bit about how that happens? So one thing, Las Vegas is a different animal than probably any other city because The city of Las Vegas is kind of like the upper, like north side of the town. And it goes all the way, if you know Las Vegas, all the way to the mountains in the west, which is called Summerlin, is still Las Vegas. But where most people think of Las Vegas, like the Strip, is a lot of that's county or unincorporated townships, unincorporated townships of Las Vegas. Clark County is actually illegal. It's completely legal to do Airbnb. In the city of Las Vegas, it's now a permitted process. But how I got in trouble 
was the city now, they're starting to put together task force to go after people. They didn't have the manpower before. They hadn't authorized the budgets to be able to do it. But what they were relying on before was neighbors to turn people in. And when the code enforcement guy came over to give me the paperwork that I got in trouble, it was a really cool guy. And we actually talked for about an hour. And I was like, hey, how did you guys find me? You know, and he was like, because I didn't have my address and I kind of thought about that. There was no address on there and no super identifying pictures. But he's like, look, I got a stack of 15 of these today. He's like, what it looks like is somebody went on Airbnb and tried to, you know, in this neighborhood and put together their own list. And then they put them all in at the same time anonymously. This could be other Airbnb Profiles, maybe that they don't want to share the market with a bunch of people. That are- uh, kill competition. It could be, and I'll tell you because, like at this point, I've got like with the seven months that I went through this process and the lost rents that I could have had if I had rented out just to a regular renter, which would be like a thousand or fifteen hundred a month, and the thousands of dollars that I have into the permitting process, I figure I'm I'm into it ten thousand dollars. And so when you have other people that have that are into it ten grand. And they're seeing a bunch of fly-by-night people just trying to do this without getting the permits. They might turn people in. Yeah. And I, I didn't think that was a thing earlier. But now that I've gone through the process, I could see why, you know, I don't want to turn people in. But I could see why other people in my position might want to. Right. Because you feel like I went through this whole process to do it legally. And then you see other people doing it illegally. And you kind of feel like, well, you know, you guys should go through the process as well. Not just that they should go through the process, but by them not going through the process, they're lowering the market rate. And so it's costing. It's like I had to pay for going through the legal process. I'm 10 grand behind and I can't make my 10 grand back because all these people are swamping the market with their illegal places. Did you get fined, by the way? No. The, the first one is a warning. So the first one's a warning, and then they are finding all of these ways to fine you. So they can, they can fine you for noise violations, lack of business license, lack of getting the permit. And when they stack all these up, if they really want to hit you hard, it ends up being about two grand a day. Well, and so first you get a warning, and I'm assuming you were told to stop hosting immediately. Did, did you have guests at the time? Did you have to cancel like a reservation? It was a cease and desist. By the way, when I got in trouble, it was before they changed all the laws. So I think that they might be moving towards being able to to charge you right away. But when I did it, they gave us a cease and desist and I had 10 days to come into compliance. I didn't have a guest at the moment. They did want me to cancel everybody that I had in the future. And that costs 50 bucks for each booking that you cancel. Damages your reputation too, right? It didn't damage our reputation, I don't think, because it, I think we snoozed our profile, so I don't think anybody can give us feedback when it's snoozed. Because I think if you cancel a reservation, don't you get that uh, review where it says the host canceled the reservation X amount of days before the stay? That didn't show up on your profile? I don't think so. I don't know. Maybe there was some way around it. My wife actually manages our Airbnb profile, so it's not my expertise. So let's talk about the whole process of getting the permit. That's kind of the topic of this podcast for other people who are here in Vegas and they're thinking about doing Airbnb or even for people in other cities because what we've seen over uh, the last few years is that other cities tend to kind of copy the regulations and the process from other places. So what's happening here in Vegas could also be happening in other places in the future. So 
Can you explain what the whole process was? You already mentioned it took seven months. Sounds like a long time, but I'm curious to hear you know, how, how it works. The big law changes that they just had. And by the way, I thought when I heard that this had happened, I thought for sure this is the hotels, right? The hotels don't want to compete. And they're the ones that are behind this. And as far as I can tell, the hotels don't care. We are small fish. It's the neighbors. It's the small communities that don't want to have big partiers. And in particularly, where it all started was there's this neighborhood called the Scotch 80s, which is just south of where we're at. And it's all these nice mansions and it's not a gated community. And because of that, they had a bunch of people buy properties in there and start doing this. And it's basically the people that built Las Vegas. It's all the you know older, super rich people that run stuff. And they were like, this is just totally unacceptable because they've been living there for 30 years with being in a really nice, quiet neighborhood. And now there's all these parties that are going on because people are renting out these party houses. And that's the genesis for how this happened. So what the process looks like is and what the big change that they did was they made it so that each person that wants to do a bed and breakfast, well, they call it short-term rentals is the designation for the license, has to go through a special use permit process. So special use permit means that the planning commission and the city council have to make a decision on this thing. Now, there is one very small subset group of people that are allowed to not have to get a special use permit, which means a conditional use permit. And that just means if they meet the conditions of it, they can just pay the fee, 500 bucks, and then they can apply and get it approved. And those conditions, it's important to note, because if you're looking at buying a place and doing this, you can't. So if it's an owner-occupied place, so you have to you have to own it and you have to live there, okay, or have ownership interest. I think could be maybe one percent ownership interest, you know, whatever. And it's a three-bedroom place, and you have at least two bedrooms that are that you're able to rent. It's like such a small subset. If you have that situation, then you're allowed to do this right. with the conditional use. Host, I can't emphasize how important it is to share recommendations of things to do or eat near your listing beforehand. Your guests won't have to go through TripAdvisor, Foursquare or Yelp. They won't have to scratch their head and think about possible places right in the moment. I've been using Hostfully to create an online and printable guidebook to show my guests my favorite coffee places in Amsterdam. They use my recommendations and I'm getting fewer questions from my guests as a result. I've also included screenshots of my guidebook on my Airbnb listing as a way to differentiate my listing from others. So make your own guidebook at hostfully.com slash pad. So you got to live in the place, you got to own it, and then you can only rent out, you know, percentage of your house, like let's say one or two bedrooms or so, which is similar to actually the rules in Amsterdam. I think in Amsterdam, it's 40%. As long as you rent out less than 40% of your space and you live in the house, then you're actually allowed to do it. But allowed to do it with the conditional use permit. You still have to go through that process. And it's such a small like window of people that would fit into that. I think they had a a bunch of cases that were really similar to that, that were like some elderly people that they didn't want to make this too tough for. The special use permit is like this. You have to go to the planning department. And again, 
a lot of people think they live in Las Vegas and they don't live in Las Vegas. They live in like, you know, if you know Las Vegas, you know, Desert Inn is one of the main streets, right? And like Desert Inn in Paradise, the next big street east of Las Vegas Boulevard, that's not Las Vegas. That's Winchester. It's a township in the Clark County. You know, you go couple miles north of the strip and bam, you're in North Las Vegas, which is a different township. So Las Vegas is, you know, the main government body here, but it's a lot of people actually think they live in Las Vegas, but don't. So if you live in Las Vegas, which you, you can pull up a, an actual city map, you'll be able to find out, but it is a, where a lot of the population is located here. If you're in Las Vegas, you go to the planning department here. You go to set up the application process and in a few weeks, they'll do a pre-application meeting. They want to kind of go over the process with you and tell you how difficult it is. At this point, you'll need to have your architectural drawings. And if you do these on your own, you might not be taken seriously. I got an architect to do the drawings for me. She's reasonable. And if I'll make sure that you guys have my contact information at the end of this, if you want to reach out to her, she's great. You have to have your plan together then. And then after that, the next step is the planning commission. So it's a televised thing. And you've got like these six planning commission commissioners that preside over this, you know, huge hearing. And you have to wait like six weeks or two months or so. And then you have this meeting and they pretty much deny you. It's like for a special use permit, you're asking for something that's outside the normal use. So what happens is planning department looks at it and says, this doesn't fit within something that we can give a conditional use permit for. So we recommend denial. And then planning commission in general is going to go with denial as well, which is what I've seen over and over and over again. And then you have the ability to appeal for $500 and have the city council look at it. If you're serious about this, you should meet with your commissioner. So you have to figure out which ward you're in. Yeah, you can call the city. Jasper's laughing because it's, it's ridiculous. It's like, <laughs> this is so involved. So you have to figure out which ward you're in, which is like which section of the city. There's, there's six wards. And if you're in ward one, which is the city councilwoman, Lois Tarkanian, for like the previous four years, she's never ever accepted a special use permit for this. So that's a tough one. That's where the Scotch 80s is. That's a tough one to get this in. But so if you meet with your commissioner ahead of time, which is a good idea, you might be able to get them to not deny you in the first thing and then you'll go, you'll go onto the city council. But a lot of times everybody, I mean, I got denied at the planning commission. And then I appealed and had to wait another about two months to be able to go in front of the city council and to do that, I was like, I was really committed to making this happen and I want to learn about it. So I wrote extensive letters and met with every city council person that I could and wrote the mayor. I figured out who the toughest people were on this by, by checking out like who was in charge of recreating these new laws that they just put out. And it was my ward five, Ricky Barlow, councilman, Lois Tarkanian, which is Ward 1. And then I think it's Ward 3 is Bob Coffin. And those three were kind of spearheading this thing. And so I focused my efforts on meeting with them because I knew that it's only a seven-person committee. So if I could get a good portion of them 
then I thought I'd get it. So I actually got, everybody said, yeah, but I really did my homework and I put together a plan and then it wasn't a great plan at first, but as I met with the city council people, I kept on asking like, how could I make this plan better? And they kept on giving me more recommendations and, oh, you should see how this person does it or call this person or call them. And I just kept on doing it and I've got so many hours in this thing. I finally kind of figured out a plan that really worked. Part of it is you have to get them on board. And then the other part is if you don't get your neighbors on board, forget it. Because your neighbors, especially the ones that are closest to you, have the biggest ability to shoot you down. And I saw in these as many as 120 neighbors show up to shoot someone down where, you know, they're going through a special use permit. You know, all the neighbors don't want it. The person already had some parties or something like that, and they already pissed off their neighbors. And and the city council and the planning commission are going to take that really seriously. They really don't want to get these complaints. And that's why they just increased all these fines because they want to be able to shut people down right away. And those fines are like unavoidable. It's not like you can like lease your house to some entity that you own and then let the entity get the fine or something like that. They're going to... They're going to lean up your house. They're going to get that money. Just to be clear, uh, you were talking about the different parts of the city and the different neighborhoods. And you're talking about Vegas versus North Las Vegas and Winchester. Like You are located in the city of Las Vegas, right? Correct. Okay. And so for the other areas in Vegas, there's different rules? Yeah. Well, for all of the unincorporated townships and the county, which is basically pretty much everywhere else, it's illegal. There's no ability to do it whatsoever. And then in North Las Vegas, which is a different city, that one, it's illegal as well. So pretty much everywhere except for Las Vegas, the city, yeah. it's illegal. Right. And, and it doesn't matter where you're renting out a entire space or a, a shared space or just one bedroom. It, it doesn't matter. It's just illegal. That's it. Yeah. So short-term rental is less than 30 days is how they define it. Wow, there's some pretty strict regulations over here. I'm kind of surprised because this is, I mean, obviously Vegas is a place where a lot of tourists come here. And it's kind of an understatement. It's probably one of the biggest tourist destinations in the US, I'd say. Oh, yeah, certainly. So you would, you would think that in a place like this, where you see that many visitors, that they would make it a little bit easier. I mean, this the process that you just explained sounds completely ridiculous to me. Yeah, well, you know, what's interesting is that like, Las Vegas, its history is like, there was nothing here. And then, you know, it became kind of a gambling capital because there's a bunch of kind of like mobsters, you know, (laughs) but then what they ended up doing was becoming legitimate. (laughs) And the way they got, became legitimate is they, they started to be involved with government. (laughs) And so we have a huge element of that. As far as I've heard that crime families are involved in the government. But people that I met in the city council, I would like to say were all really amazing, very nice people and didn't get that feeling from them at all. Um, I have heard something about like, we have a lot of, like we have road work when we don't need to have road work <laughs> because cause the mob runs that or something and <laughs> they just continuously do road work oh, yeah. so they can make the money. So if I were to summarize this whole process of, of getting the permit, it took you about seven months. And if you do the application, you pretty much get denied by default. And then what you have to do is you have to appeal. And it sounds like you kind of just have to make, make friends with you know the people that vote. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think that getting their advice and having good relationships with your neighbors and be ready to spend a couple thousand dollars right. and go through it. 
it was seven months for me because I had to go to the two city council meetings. We went to the first one because they just changed the laws like that day. They didn't want to vote on it for some reason. So, they wanted me to come to the next meeting, which was two months later. So, it should have been like maybe more of a five-month process, but it ended up being seven. And now you have the permit and it's, it's valid for how many years? Once you have the special use permit, it stays with the property forever. Oh, so that, that would increase the value of your house, I would think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. That's one thing. If you end up getting the conditional use permit, you have to re-get it every year. Uh, and they could deny you every year. I think that that's going to be something that's big. I think that if people know how to do this here, like I know people that are super crushing it with Airbnb and there are some, definitely some untapped areas that are really close to places that people want to stay. Now that I've got this one, I'd like to buy some more places around here and keep doing it. And how's the, how's the actual Airbnb hosting going? You started a couple of weeks ago, right? Yeah, it's really good. You know, it's kind of like figuring out how to do the price point. But if we let Airbnb just price it for us, we're just getting bookings left and right. You know, it's like I have it on my wife's phone. I just hear it, you know, ding and ding and ding <laughs> throughout the day. Awesome, man. Um, really good information. And for, for the people who are listening, if you're interested in doing Airbnb hosting in Vegas, make sure to reach out to Dylan. He's mentioned that he's willing to help out and guide other people through the process. So we'll, we'll put your contact details uh, in the show notes. Man, I've never heard of such a difficult process, but I think what's really cool is that you know you didn't take no for an answer the first time and you kind of just stick in there and, uh, and make it happen. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, so I'm definitely down. If someone wants me to help them go through the process and talk to some of these people and use some of the relationships that I already have, I'm willing to do that. And uh, yeah, good luck to everybody. All right, Dylan. Well, thanks a lot for your time. And all the listeners, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And of course, on Friday, we're back with a another episode, a news episode. And I just wanted to mention that I've recently published in the audiobook of Get Paid for Your Pad and been getting some really good feedback. So, you know, if, if you're listening to this podcast and you want to you wanna hear more, you can now get the audiobook. If you sign up for Audible, which is an Amazon company, you actually get some free credits or at least one free credit. So, you could get the book for free actually uh, which is pretty cool so with that thanks for listening and see you next time get paid for your pet 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 get paid for your pet